Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I'd like to tell you a little bit about my oldest son, Zach. Uh, Zach is uh, just turned 30 this past year and, and, uh, and all that. But something about Zach that's really unusual is he has this psychological connection to food. Anybody relate to that? Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, and, and by this, I mean like every event in his life, it's categorized by food. So we took our family on a trip years ago and, and, um, Zach was pretty young, but a couple of years later, we were just kind of rehashing that trip. And I said, so Zach, do you remember going to see the statue of Liberty? Okay. Statue of Liberty is a pretty significant thing, right? And his response was, yeah, that's where we ate the soft pretzels. Um, and I was like, okay, well, do you remember when we went to the apartment complex and we met Mr. And Mrs. Cross and he was like, oh yeah, yeah. We had Papa John's pizza. And, um, so needless to say, my son is, um, he loves, food. And consequently, one of his favorite holidays of the year is Thanksgiving because, you know, food. And um, so when he was in first grade, the, the teacher was teaching the students about the pilgrims and all of that. And so the teacher asked the question, so does anybody know why we have corn at Thanksgiving? My son shoots his hand up in the air and ready to answer. And she calls on him and he says, um, to hold the butter. He was caught up in the food and may have missed the point of the lesson. Now, it's kind of funny and we like to laugh about that, but often don't we do the same thing when it comes to studying the scriptures? We find a nugget that speaks to our immediate need, or we find something that we really like and we grab it and we move on. And often there's so much more significance and meaning to the passage that we miss. Now today we're going to look at one of those passages that's easy to do that with. Now if you haven't been here the last several weeks, we have resumed our series Matt started last uh, summer on called Unstoppable Church. Today we're in part 23 and we're picking up at the end of a story. Now two weeks ago Matt started this story and um, for those of you who weren't here, there was this man, this Gentile man named Cornelius and he had this vision and in this vision, this angel told him, go send for, for Peter, told him where to find him and, and all that very specific. Um, as his men were getting close to where Peter was, Peter also had a vision much less specific. It was one of those weird visions where this, you know, he was on the rooftop praying. He was hot and hungry and this sheet came down and it was filled with all kinds of animals. And the implication in the scripture is there are animals he was not allowed to eat. Um, and so he was like, and, and he hears this voice that says, 
kill it and eat it. And he goes, no, I can't do that. I don't eat unclean things. And the voice said, don't call unclean what I've made clean. And then the sheet goes back into heaven. And then it happens two more times. You know, so Peter's like, I don't know what was in those locks and bagels I ate, but this is, you know, weird. And so, but it's all, you know, this, this food and he's trying to figure out and make sense out of it. And as he's thinking about what in the world this vision meant, the men arrive that Cornelius had sent. And all of a sudden it clicked. This wasn't about food. There was something more going on here. And so he goes um, to Cornelius's house. He arrives there and, and he asks them, what do you want to know? Cornelius tells him about the vision he had. And he says, now here we are gathered in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has directed you to say. And that's where we're going to pick up here in um, verse 34. Peter said, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is the message of peace he sent to the Israelites by proclaiming the good news through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism John preached. You know about Jesus of Nazareth, whom God anointed with the Holy Spirit and endowed with power. Jesus traveled around doing good and healing everyone oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did, both in Jerusalem or in Judea and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and allowed him to be seen, not by everyone, but by us. We are witnesses whom God chose beforehand, who ate and drank with him after God raised him from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They heard them speaking in other languages and praising God. Peter asked, these people have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Surely no one can stop them from being baptized with water, can they? He directed that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited Peter to stay for several days. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that's there. Help us, Lord, to see what we need to see today. Help us to take this, uh, to understand what you were doing here and to apply the, the truths, the, 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 the um, transferable truths to our lives so that we can live out your perfect will for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Every good story includes a problem that needs to be solved. All right? So that's just the way stories work. Protagonist, the, the, the hero of the story faces some kind of challenge or conflict and then finds a way to work through it. Sometimes that 
that challenge is a villain. It's, it's a person or an, an being that they have to fight against. Sometimes it's the forces of nature. And, and we love those stories where somebody's overcoming all odds to do something. Sometimes it's an incredible hardship that they face. Sometimes it's an internal struggle. And what we see here for Peter is this is a crisis of belief. And we see it in the first words of this passage when he says, I really am learning. I really am learning. Now it's easy to kind of read past that line. It's easy to just kind of skip over it and, and, and just get to what it is he's learning. But I want you to understand that this was a big deal. This was something that, that Peter um, was, th- this was the point of this lesson. And so he, what was it that he was learning? It, it's not a trick question. Okay. So he tells us there, um, he says, God does not show partiality to one group of people over another. Okay. Now this is the, the, the point of the vision he had is the, um, is the slide thing frozen. If we can get to the, the picture of the vision, um, if it's frozen, I'll just move on. Cause I noticed it did that during the, Okay. There. Okay. Yeah. So that's the point of the vision that Peter had. It wasn't about the animals. It wasn't about the food. It wasn't that God was saying, Hey, now you can eat bacon. That wasn't what was going on. The voice in the vision said, don't consider unclean what I've made pure. Okay. And then the spirit's command there. When, when, when the, the men showed up, he said, don't ask questions, just go with them because I've sent them. Okay. So that's the lesson that Peter's struggling to learn. So when he says, I really am learning, that's it. Now, Peter was struggling with this. And for us, sometimes that that doesn't make sense because, you know, we've grown up with this, but we have to understand that this was tough for Peter. Think about the first words he said to Cornelius. Matt read this last week, but he said, you realize that it's forbidden for Jews to enter the house of outsiders. You know, he calls them outsiders. He tells them that, you know, uh, and then he goes on, he says, well, God said not to call you impure, or unclean, you know, and think about how rude that is. I mean, somebody comes to your house and they're like, yeah, I really don't normally come to this neighborhood or, um, wow, you live in that town, you know, and, and it's just, it, it's rude. You know, so Peter shows up and, and he's doing this and he says, and he makes it clear. The only reason he came without objection is because God told him to. All right. Yeah. I'm talking to you about Jesus because God told me to, uh, you know, that it's just, it's tough. It's like that scene from pride and prejudice. Any, any pride and prejudice fans in here? No. Okay. Thank you. Um, so it's that, that scene in Pride and Prejudice. If you haven't seen it, you need to at least watch the scene because Mr. Darcy, the, the rich guy, he, he, he comes to Elizabeth and he, he bursts in and he says, um, despite all of my objections, despite how, how much lower your family is than mine, I've decided to ask you to marry me. Needless to say, she rejects him. Um, you know, that's kind of what's going on here. It's this, this thing. Um, and then this is the, he goes on when he, when he's talking to the people, he says, this is the message that the prophets um, 
uh, brought this message of grace, but notice he was like the prophets that were sent to the Israelites. All right. It's like, I don't know. You want to know, okay, this is what's going on here. God sent the Israelites this message of grace. And, and he says that, um, you know, he talks about Jesus traveling around all throughout Judea. And then um, it, when he's, he's talking about the, the great things that he did in, in uh, Judea and Jerusalem, all of that was Jewish territory. Okay. And then, then notice that he uses the word we in verse 39. Okay. He says, he said, we are his witnesses. And then he goes on and says, they killed him. God allowed him to be seen by us. We are the witnesses whom God chose. He commanded us to preach. Okay. This is important. It's important because it's part of our human nature that we divide people up this way. There's the us and them, the we and they. And that's just a, a, a natural thing that we do. Here's the problem. That, that in itself isn't bad to me because there is a truth of that. There is a we, there is a they. The problem is that with our, our sinful nature, we tend to say we are more important or we are more valuable. We tend to say we are good and they are evil. There's a word for that. It's called prejudice prejudice. And, and it wasn't just Peter. The, the, the people that were with him, it said that the circumcised believers were astonished. Were astonished that God would pour out his spirit even on the Gentiles. You see, there was, there was this whole thing. They were all struggling with this prejudice. And then of course the spirit does this, the spirit falls on them. And Peter, Peter finally gets it. He says there in that, that last verse, he says that the, that they have, the spirit has fallen on him just as we have. They've received the spirit just as we have. They are like us now. Now, what's the takeaway for us? Hey, what do we, what do we pull from this? So let me ask you this. What, who, who do you marginalize? What group or groups of people do you have a hard time believing that God could love or forgive? Now, let me give you some examples of ways we do this. Obviously, prejudice, we normally think of race, and that is certainly one of the examples, all right? Um, and, and where we lived in South Carolina before we moved here, it was, it was interesting because it was 65% African-American. So I was in the minority. And, and normally when we hear about race and discrimination, we think of white people being discriminated uh, or white people discriminating against black people. But where I lived, it worked both ways. You know, and, and when we first moved there, I would say hi to people and they'd just look at me like I was crazy. You know, and, and, um, and so you get this, uh, this, this prejudice by race, but it's not just race. So there's nationality. Now, my wife grew up in New York and where she was in New York, there was this real prejudice toward the Polish population and the Irish Catholics. 
and, and it was nationality. Um, when we were in, uh, in Chicago, it was the, the Mexicans, you know, the, and, and when we were in, in, in Florida, it was um, his, the Puerto Ricans. And so you've got this, this nationality thing, and, 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 and sometimes it's not even different nations. Sometimes it's within the nation. And you've got a lot of people that are moving into this area from places like California and uh, Florida and New York and, and, and New Jersey. Uh, there we go, New Jersey. And, and, you know, and, and there's people that have a hard time with that and will just marginalize people because they moved here from a certain place. We can't do that. We can't do that. It's not just nationality. What about political party? I mean, those Democrats or those Republicans, depending on uh, where you uh, come from. How about culture? It's those rude people from wherever, you know? And it's, and it's a cultural thing. The, in, in South Carolina, in the, the small town we lived, they had this brilliant idea they were going to do a, what's called a unity service. And they would get all the churches to come together for this service. The problem with that is that some of the cultures, they felt that the way that you showed respect and that you were engaged in something is you are quiet and you listen. Another culture felt like the way that you showed respect and that you were engaged was you bantered and you talked. And so in this unity service, you've got somebody is up there preaching and you've got the bantering people responding. Oh yeah. Come on, brother. And you've got the, the people that think it's quiet out there. They're going, how rude those people are. So I can't believe that they are so rude and interrupting. And you've got the other people going, those people are dead. They just, they just, that's all there is to it. They're dead. They're not responding. They're so rude. And it was just culture. All right. What about generations? Those millennials, those old people, all right? You've got that. You've got the, um, the, the whole thing with the, um, what about sin struggles? Let, let's be honest. We marginalize people because of their past or their sin that they are currently in. You know, and it's like that. He's just a drunk. Those meth heads. I heard not that long ago, I heard someone say, those people ought to be shot. What about faith alignment? You know, those religious fanatics or those backsliders or those atheists. I'm not saying I agree with everything that they believe, but we can't marginalize them. God loves every one of them the same way he loves us. That's the lesson that Peter was learning here. There is no room for prejudice in the kingdom of God. Okay. So that's the lesson. Why was it so hard for Peter to get this? I mean, it, it's not that tough. Why was it so hard? Well, it's, let's, let's remember that he's a Jew. Okay. He was Jewish. He was raised Jewish. Remember what he told Cornelius um, back in, in uh, when he first met him, he said, Hey, I'm, I'm a Jew. It's, I'm not allowed to come into your household. He was heavily influenced by cultural conditioning, right? So the Jewish people had rules. The, the culture had rules. Jews didn't associate with Gentiles. 
And there were reasons. Okay. Um, there were reasons for that. We're on slide 36. Um, the, well, actually, I don't know what number it is up there. Um, so he didn't, he didn't associate with Gentiles. And there were reasons the Jewish people had been oppressed by many other nations. They had been victims of, of these things. And, and, and so um, there was a history of mistreatment. So culturally, it made sense. There was this cultural, um, uh, cultural conditioning. But we have that too, don't we? How many times have you heard somebody say, well, my mama taught me, you know, or where I come from, you know, back in my day. How about this? Here, let me, let me give you some cultural conditioning that's just not biblical. Men aren't supposed to cry. Independence is strength. Submission equals weakness. In fact, most of the American dream goes against what Jesus taught. And let me tell you a big one that, that is part of our culture today, and it's just not true. And that's that not agreeing with someone equals hating them. We can absolutely love people that we disagree with. Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. All right. Now, there's more going on here than just culture, though. And what I want to do is I want to take a moment. I want to, this is like studying the pilgrims. Okay. I want to step back from this particular story and I want to go into the, the big picture of, of the Bible's master plan. So this is, the, this is, let me see if I can just kind of walk you through this real quick. The Bible is 66 books that tell one unified story. Okay. And it begins with two chapters that describe God's perfect creation. So that's the, the very beginning is the perfect creation. And then the next nine chapters of Genesis describe the rebellion of God's creation. And so uh, God's creation rebels. There's three particular stories that are all tied to that rebellion. So the Garden of Eden story, the flood narrative, and then the Tower of Babel. You may have heard of those stories. You may not have connected them all, but that's really important. We're going to come back to, to that in just a minute. Now, the ending of the book, the last two chapters of the scriptures in Revelation um, uh, 20, 21, 20 and 21 describe a perfect creation restored. There's a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, all of that. Everything in between is God's redemptive plan. This is how God is taking the fallen world and restoring it to his perfect creation. Now, that involved a covenant people and a promised Messiah, a promised Savior. They called him the Messiah, and that we know was Jesus. Jesus would come, Peter recognized the promised Messiah, um, and, and, um, and then Jesus would set up this upside-down kingdom where you find life by dying to self, and where the greatest is the servant of all, okay? That's the, the story of the Bible. But, Jesus, uh, but Peter didn't have the whole Bible. He only had the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And it's an incomplete story. Now, he would have been familiar with passages like this one. Genesis 7, 7 and 8 says, I will set up my covenant with you. This is God talking to Abraham. I'll set up my covenant with you and your descendants. 
after you in every generation as an enduring covenant. I will be your God and your descendants, God after you. He also would have known Deuteronomy 32. And in this one, he says, remember the days long past, consider the years long gone when God most high divided up the nations, when he divided up humankind. Now that is what happened after the tower of Babel. God divided the world up into different nations. And he said, um, he decided what the people's boundaries based on the number of gods, surely the Lord's property was his people. Jacob also known as Israel was his part of the inheritance. Okay. So Peter grew up with this, what the scripture teaches. God had divided up the nations. He basically disowned the nations and chosen one man, Abraham, that he was going to build this chosen nation out of. There was biblical precedent for that, but it was misguided. Okay. This is why it's so significant when Peter at the beginning of this passage, he said in every nation, God accepts those who worship him. He was learning that this is, this is something different. This is something other than what he was raised on. Okay. This wasn't just culture. Peter had deep seated yet misguided beliefs. Yes, Israel was God's chosen nation, but they were chosen by grace, not by merit. God had chosen them to model his grace, not to hoard it. And how often do we see people who take God's word and they weaponize it? They take his truth and use it to beat others down instead of liberate them. It's misguided. We twist the scriptures to support our viewpoints and our cultural conditions instead of aligning ourselves to God's plan. So here's the question I have for you. What truths are you struggling to accept? What are, the, what are the, the things God is trying to teach you or has been teaching you that you're just having a hard time putting into practice? And maybe that God's actually forgiven you from your past. It may be that he set you free from that addiction or that toxic relationship. It may be that you can be the one that breaks the cycle that's been destroying your family for generations. It may be that you're actually valuable to God. Earlier this year, Matt shared several shifts that he said needed to happen here, cultural shifts. And these may be truths that you're struggling with because you grew up in a church where it wasn't that way. But whatever it is, whatever it is, God wants to deal with that. Being a disciple isn't about gathering knowledge. It's about living out the truth. I'm going to say that again. Being a disciple isn't about gathering knowledge. It's about living out the truth. That's why Jesus' invitation is follow me, not learn about me. God gives us his spirit. And his spirit spoke to Peter and guided Peter in that. And he guides us into all truth as well. Now, 
there's still more going on here than just what Peter is learning. Okay? Um, it, it's really, this is, this is really exciting to me. I'm a little bit of a Bible nerd, and so, um, but, but this is really exciting to me because look at what, what happens in verses 44 through 46. It says, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. The circumcised believers had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, and they heard them speaking in other languages and praising God. Now, what's going on here? And I'm just going to say, whenever this kind of topic comes up, people get uncomfortable. And there's some people who are like, yes, we're finally talking about this. And there's some people who are going, uh-oh, um, we're, we're talking about that again. Um, and, and, and Matt did a great job when, at the beginning of this series in chapter two, when the Holy Spirit fell on the, the, the Jews and they, they spoke in, in other languages and all that. And I do encourage you, uh, if you weren't here when he did that, go back on the podcast. You can go back to when he, he covered that because he did a really great job and addressed um, where we are as a church on that and all that. Um, I just want to say that the, the scriptures do talk about a spiritual gift of tongues. And, and that is something that is a very real thing. It's talked about in scripture, but I don't believe that that's what this is. And, and hear me out on this. Because when Paul talks about the spiritual gifts later on in the, in the letters to the, the, the Romans and the Corinthians, he talks about how not everybody has the same gift. We have different gifts and God uses all those different gifts to serve the body and minister to the body. This is a clearly a situation where everybody does this, which was the same in chapter two. In fact, when, when Peter goes back to Jerusalem, the, the people in Jerusalem are going to go, what are you doing baptizing Gentiles? They're not part of God's chosen people. And this is what Peter says to them. He says, when I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as the Spirit fell on us in the beginning. Now it wasn't, this is the, you know, just like every week, this was, this was something that happened to us and now it happened to them the same way. This was a specific sign that God was using to do something, to say something. So what is it? Let's go back to that master plan, to the Tower of Babel. When the nations were divided up, one of the things that God did is he confused their languages. And so they couldn't understand each other again. All right. And I got a little visual of the, the Tower of Babel and, and all this and, and the, the scripture verses. I want you to see these scripture verses side by side. So there it says that they were... Um, um, they were not able to understand each other. Then in Acts chapter two, what happens is all Jews from all nations come together. Okay. So in, in Genesis, they won't understand each other's language. In Acts chapter two, then it says that everybody was amazed because they heard everyone speaking in their own native language. God reversed that situation from, from the tower of Babel so that everybody understood, but this was still only Jews. So then in Acts chapter 10, now the Gentiles are there and 
the Jews are amazed because they heard them speaking in other languages and praising God just as they had. Okay. Um, so this is so, so cool because God is basically reversing what happened. This is why it's so significant. Um, he reversed what happened back in Genesis and, and, and was re- restoring all nations to himself. He started there with Cornelius and his household. Let me wrap it up with this. When Peter had his vision, this weird vision, and, and God said go, he had no idea what was about to happen. He had no idea. He, he, he obeyed. And because he obeyed, Cornelius's household believed. And God showed that he was restoring the nations. But Peter didn't see that. Now think about what happened if Peter had not obeyed. He wouldn't have witnessed this miraculous sign. He wouldn't have then gone back to Jerusalem and convinced the church that they needed to, um, you know, that the gospel was for the Gentiles too. The church would have continued to focus only on the Jews. There would have been no need for the apostle Paul to journey around the Mediterranean. And therefore there would have been no church at Rome, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, or Thessalonica. There would have not been a book of Acts, Luke, Romans, 1st or 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st or 2nd Thessalonians. In fact, we would likely have never heard about Jesus at all. Peter had no idea what hung in the balance of his choice to obey. And neither do we. I want to close with this illustration. My family loves Lego Masters. Anybody else watch Lego Masters? Okay. My kids all grew up playing with Lego and um, we would build stuff. My, my son literally had thousands and thousands of, of Lego and he's now introducing it to my grandson, and that's great. We loved the Lego Masters TV show, but one of my favorite things is what they call the hanging brick challenge. Now, um, in this hanging brick challenge, they create these Lego things that are literally suspended in the air, and that you can see some of the examples there. They're amazing. You can see how big they are um, compared to the guys there, how intricate they are. They're just really, really incredible. But the most amazing thing is that they all start with one hanging brick. One brick. And they build all of that from that one brick. Now that brick is like the choices we make. It may seem small and insignificant. We may see no no connection to what God is doing. We have no idea what God's going to do in our lives and in the lives of those generations to come. Let's pray. Lord, help us to take your truth, to learn it, to apply it, to wrestle with it. Father, some of us are struggling with things and we we know what you said, but we need it in our hearts. We need to let you help us. And, And Father, help us to make those choices. The choices that to us may seem insignificant, may seem like little things, but choices that you're gonna use to affect people for years to come. 
Father, thank you for this. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you as the band comes up, as, they, as we sing these songs, the altar is open. If you're struggling with something, if you're wrestling with truth, bring it to the altar. Ask God to help you get through that. If you're struggling with a choice you need to make or maybe a choice you made and you wish you hadn't, bring it to God. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.